Welcome to the Should Have Acted review of Cox Plate Day. It will go down as one of the most controversial finishes to Australia's premier wait-for-age race. Irish Raider, State of Rest and local favourite Animo went head-to-head for the final 200 metres with only a nostril separating them on the line. Despite a protest by the rider of Animo, Craig Williams, the stewards ultimately confirmed John Allen and State of Rest the victor. To talk me through all the action is Australia's number one tipster and unluckiest punter of the weekend, Chris Venuccio. First off, Big V, without talking through your wallet, did the stewards get the protest right? Hello, Phil. Good to be here again. Yeah, it was an unlucky day. A few seconds, floating artist and animo. And yeah, I was hoping the stewards would uphold the protest, but I did think that it would be a pretty harsh decision to take the race away from state of rest. I think weighing it up, I thought the best horse won the Cox Plate. What, what did you think? Look, my immediate reaction was there's no way that they'll uphold this protest. That was just my first gut feel. I don't know if that's because it was a Cox Plate and that sort of, you know, it does take quite a lot, I think, to, to overturn a decision in such a big race. But, but ultimately, I'm pretty convinced that the stewards would have done the same in a, in a maiden at Maui. So I must admit, the more and more I looked at it, the less confident I was with that initial gut reaction. And by the end, mate, by the time it takes them 20, 30 minutes to make a decision, I was genuinely thought it was a toss of the coin. Yeah, I think it was a split decision. I think there are a few stewards that were for and also others that were against it. I think if this happened about five, ten years ago, it would have been upheld. I think there's been a change in direction with the way the stewards are going. But if you're going to make a case for Animo, you are entitled, entitled to have a straight line. And I think that he, he had that taken away from him because State of Rest has taken him you know, two lanes across into the inferior ground. Now, the jockeys were trying to avoid like, that inside section of the track and Animo is then you know, getting pushed into that inferior ground. And also, so before and after the winning post, you know, it's a bob of the head. And, you know, they were level before and after. So you could argue that that stride, that that brush has has taken away, you know, maybe a stride off Animo, and that's the difference between having his nose level or in front when that when they hit that winning post. Yeah, and I think that was the tough thing for Stewards. You could make a very strong argument, I think, both ways on that particular protest, and that's not often the case when there's a protest. Um, but certainly, I think I'm comfortable with the decision. Ultimately, uh, would I don't think it would have sat quite right if they'd taken the race away from state arrest. Yeah, I wouldn't have been fussed either way with the decision. I think it was line ball, and I think that probably you know, gave the benefit of the doubt to the winner. I, I certainly wasn't crying in my beer later that night. I had moved <laughs> on from it pretty quickly. But overall, you know, looking at the race, I just thought there were two exceptional rides from John Allen and Craig Williams you know, when they were turning into the straight. Outstanding, and it was just such a thrilling race as well. Yeah, it was, and we saw that the first three over the line were the the last three in running, and really uh, Craig Williams at about the 500 when all the other horses were going sat very patiently and must have really identified State of Rest as the horse that he wanted to trail and as the best horse in the race to beat. Yeah, I thought when Very Elegant was making her move around Animo, I was thinking to myself, well, yeah, what are you doing, Willow? You've missed the boat here, but... I think he had that idea. He's got a track state of rest. Yeah, he's probably looked at the form and thought, you know, this no, this is the the horse to beat here, and and it's nearly pulled off. 
You know, he's got that inside run. And from the side on view, I thought Adam O had got his nose in front at the 50. But, you know, the angle can be deceptive. The overhead shot, he probably didn't. So it was very close and top run. I think the three class horses have run one, two, three. Very elegant, ran the fastest last 600. So that was an outstanding run. Probably just peaked in the last 100. But she had to make that wide run, whereas State of Rest and Animo have made those inside runs. And I just thought as well, you know, Cap Devant, you know, set a really fast tempo on a soft track. I know the three-year-olds have got the light weight, but, and you want to take advantage of it, but you've got to have something left in the tank afterwards. So they went a lot quicker than I thought with Zaki being scratching from the race. So I think that, that helped set it up for the, the first three. Certainly took its toll, didn't it, on those front runners, that pace that was set by Cap Devant. And look, I was on very elegant. And for a fleeting moment on the turn, I did think it might just grab the race. But yeah, I also was a little bit disappointed in the ride on first on first thoughts. I thought, gee, could have just waited and been a bit more patient like Willow. But having the luxury of watching the replay about 50 times after the race due to the protest, I actually think the ride was quite good and it was the only chance Very Elegant was going to have by going that little bit wider. And unfortunately for Very Elegant, there was just a little bit of touching on the turn between a few of the horses, which just pushed her that little bit wider as well, which kind of helped. Yeah, that's the nature of the valley with the tight track. And even if Very Elegant had waited and stayed on the inside, then she's in that really inferior ground on the rail. Yep. Otherwise, she gets stuck behind State of Rest and Animo. So a great ride, great performance, I should say, in fact, by the mayor. Probably goes to the Melbourne Cup. Not sure about her at 3,200. But, you know, I think she'll give a good account of herself again. Animo and State of Rest might go to the McKinnon. I think State of Rest definitely goes to the McKinnon. Animo be touch and go whether they go there or go for a spell. I'm actually hoping Zaki does run in the McKinnon because I think State of Rest can beat Zaki and you're just going to get a better price for State of Rest again. I don't think necessarily think you know Zaki would have won the Cox Plate had he had he run because the top three have really run up to their best and I don't think we've seen signs from Zaki in, in his last two starts that he was close to running to his best. So debatable what Zaki would have done. I hope he races against State of Rest and McKinnon because we'll get a, I think we'll get a decent price for State of Rest again. What we are going to get in McKin- the McKinnon is a very similar field in a lot of ways to that Cox Plate. So looking forward to seeing a few of those horses roll around again, mate. And you did mention the lightweight on the three-year-olds. And I know Big V, you're famous for not taking weight into consideration but when a horse is rolling around at 49 and a half kilos you have to take note um what do you think of the weight scale you're comfortable with it being where it is and you know um you know horses like animo getting 10 kilos off horses like zaki it's still not easy for the three-year-olds to win the cox plate and we've seen some really top top class three-year-olds not being able to do it like piero and all too hard in that year ocean park one and then we saw a couple of years ago Castel Vecchio running second to Liz Grisher. So it isn't easy, even with the 49.5 kilos. There is an, I did see someone make an argument that they probably should get an extra kilos, 50.5, but it's still a, a tough thing to do. And we've seen with Animo, Animo looks like a, a really classy cult that can really be a top liner. And he was 
just beaten as well here by state of rest. So it's it's not an easy thing to do for the three-year-olds, even with their light weight. No, that's certainly the case, mate. I think we still are getting a good spread of winners in a lot of these weight-for-age races and the Cox Plate, and it, it does add a little bit of intrigue as well when you have horses like Animo going around at a, with light weights. But we might move along to other parts of the Cox Plate card, and um, one of the races where you wanted to talk about, because it has your should have sacked it in it, is the uh, Swept's Crystal Mile, and Elephant uh, not performing at the $1.70 quote that we expected. No, he didn't, and this was—I thought this was a, a tough race to to go through the form. It's it's actually uh, not a very strong Group Two. Elephant clearly at the end of his preparation, but I didn't, just didn't see much in the rest of the field to try and find something to beat it. I thought Romance might have been a knockout chance. At, I think at the time he was double figures before some scratchings here, but even Romance was very disappointing. I think a lot of Runners here are disappointing. Best of days. And you've got Just Folk, who's, who's just come from... Uh, let me see where he's come from. The Just Folk has come from a Seymour Cup beaten four lengths, and here he is winning a, a Group 2. I've got to say, mate, there was a couple of races at Mooney Valley that just didn't whet my appetite at all, and this was one of them. I stayed well and truly out of this one, mate, and just watched them go around and... To be honest, was very pleased that I did because uh, there's no way I would have been on the winner in this particular race. But one race I did get on a horse, and it was off the back of your best bets, Big V, was in the Mooney Valley Cup and Floating Artist. Now, gee, that's the very definition of a good thing beaten, isn't it? Yeah, just how far was Floating Artist going to win by? And, and the, to be honest, to be you know blunt, that, that that's another poor ride on Floating Artist now. Missed the chance to get into the Caulfield Cup and then has now missed the chance to get into the Melbourne Cup. I think Floating Artists will back up into the Hotham and have one more chance of getting into the Melbourne Cup, and I wouldn't be surprised if there's a, a rider change for that. So if we see that, I reckon Floating Artists is a big chance to win in the Hotham. But here in the Mooney Valley Gold Cup, you know, the T.O. Nugent had him in the perfect spot, 1 1. You know, the pace dropped out a bit. He was still looking for cover. He could have gone out three wide because they weren't going too fast. But then Pondus has made that early move and his floating artist, he's got floating artist caught on his inside. But then there was an opportunity there to get on the back of Pondus and he still didn't make that, he still didn't take that option. And then in the end, you finally the runners in the back half of the field, they're making their runs and that's shuffled floating artist back, into, back in the field and along the rail, and, you know, but by the time we saw daylight, it's just all over. Luna Flair's already got the momentum up, and I reckon Floating Artists, conservatively, should have won this by three, four lengths. <laughs> uh, very conservative of you there, Big V, but, yeah, I, have to, I couldn't agree more that uh, with clear running, Floating Artists wins that quite comfortably, to be honest, was all over the heels on the turn there, and if you were on it, you were not too happy um, most of the way up the straight and still almost got there in the end, which is, I guess, a credit to the horse as well. Now, we'll go back to Friday night, Big V, because the Mooney Valley Carnival was over two big nights, and we had the group one there, the Manicato, and I must admit, I, I might get your opinion on this as well, Big V, but it's not the strongest race going around these days, the Manicato, but it was run and won by a horse that I've got as my should have backed it, Jonker, uh, and... 
Yeah, just I was on Balanipatina, and I must say, I'm um, halfway down the straight. I thought I was half a chance, but I was disappointed to miss the price on Jonka. It was well supported, and you know it looked like the race pattern and the track was going to suit it. So uh, yeah, that's my shoot have backed it for the weekend. He was well back, Jonka, seven dollars into five fifty. I just, I just left it that night because I was on it at Flemington when it was first up, and it just weakened, and I think it had a few issues that day. Then it's running the, the premiere, finished three lengths behind Mars Crusader. I just didn't know where to draw a line with Jonka here. And I just thought it was a well-timed run by Daniel Moore because if he, if he had gone a bit slower or tried to take a bit of the, the speed out of the race, I think Valerie Patina would have got him in, in the end. So a well-judged ride by Daniel Moore, who's in great form. He's won three group ones now in the past month. So great ride by him. Yeah, it's nice to see some other jockeys getting those Group 1 successes. And I know Brett Preble is uh, certainly not a newer jockey, but he's um, certainly taken advantage, I think, of having a few better rides this spring as well, and he keeps on winning. But, yeah, Daniel Moore, third Group 1, having never ridden one in his career, is a pretty big effort in one carnival. So, yep, certainly seeing some new faces around the winning stalls, which which is always nice. Now, um, we might move over to Sydney, Big V. There was a couple of decent races up there, including the Invitation, which was won quite convincingly by Ice Bath. Uh, and was your should have backed it for the weekend? Yeah, I think Ice Bath is in great form, this prep, and been unlucky in a lot of big races as it's been well documented during the week. And even from the Epsom, he's beaten three lengths, but that was a, a really unlucky run. He had his momentum blocked at a crucial time, and he's come from 16th in the run and it was only beaten three lengths with that momentum halted. So he's going really well. And yeah, I don't do a lot of Sydney form at the moment because I'm just trying to focus it on Melbourne. But I've seen enough of Ice Bunk to see that he's having a, she's having a good prep and, you know, looks a decent chance in this race and he's paid a great price around that $6.56 mark. I don't know what it is, Big V, and it's not that I follow it particularly closely, but for some reason in my head, Ice Bath is a wet tracker, and I, I think that's wrong. <laughs> Maybe it won on the wet one day when I when I saw it, um, but just that's how it's in my mind. But the money certainly came for my one of my best bets on Trevier. I think it got backed into about $2.40 starting price, but was really ridden upside down. In again, I think, on the theme of poor rides, in a poor ride by Tommy Berry. I'm not sure if that was the plan, but... He got it into a pretty nice position, about fourth, uh, very comfortable, and decided mid-race to take it to the lead. And, yeah, I, I don't think it had that usual sprint. And um, he took away its greatest strength, I think, in the end, and it just didn't have the same finish. Yeah, I think you've been a bit tough on Tommy here. I, I think they had to do something from the wide barrier. And I think it, the the idea would have been to settle you know, somewhere in the front half. And I, I think the speed was taken out of that race, and, and that put him in a tricky position where he probably had to go forward because I was going too slow and and when when you got the leaders slowing down that really did set it up for you know a good horse like Ice Bath but at the end for the horses that finished second third fourth and fifth were all on speed I just think maybe on Trivier may not run out of the 14. Yeah, that could be true as well, Big V, and he probably did labour towards the finish there. Um, the money came for it, so that did lift my confidence, having got on a little bit of a better price. But, yep, all taken on board there, Big V. Tell you what, though, 
I don't know. The, the rail was out quite a bit at Randwick there, and that had me worried straight away when I saw that. But it does seem to be a leader, not leader bias, but certainly does favour leaders at the moment, I think, that track, or certainly being in the front of the field. And one horse that found that out the hard way once again was Crea Deerus. And I, I don't know why I keep going back to the well with this horse, mate. It sits last. It's a bit like Mars Crusader, but without the devastating finish. And it, it needs to have a devastating finish when you're giving our horses 14 lengths head start. Yeah, it did suck you in. It had been trialling poorly as well, and there's nothing about that run anyway to make you want to follow it. So, yeah, I'd, I'd be disappointed if you back it again next start. It hasn't won since October last year, so it's been a while now. And look, it always looks a bit flashy when it comes home late, looking good, but it just never converts that. And yeah, I'll be that's a that's a, a line through sacking that one big V, but. Certainly one horse that we will not be sacking, and in fact it's my horse to follow, came out of the Vars, and that was Forgot You. Um, it'll go straight into the derby this weekend, and I know you're keen, very keen on the card moving forward to Flemington this week, but Jade hit the line really strongly. It had to go early to keep up with the Linda Meach uh, horse there, and hopefully that didn't take too much out of it in the run, um, heading to the derby, but... Gee, it was strong and looked like a horse that'll lead up the 2,500. Yeah, that, that'll be the only concern, you know, with Forgot You, is whether it's had that, you know, a couple of tough runs now in the Guineas and here. And even though he's won, he's still held his price for the Derby at 350, but he's lost favouritism to Gunstock, who's a 320 favourite now. So, yeah, it is that thing. If, if, it's, if, it's, if he's pulled up well and that's if he's been given, you know, and that's just topped him off nicely, then he's got to be a good Derby chance. Uh, well, as we know, a lot can happen in the lead-up to the Derby, and certainly on the day as well, we can find some interesting uh, results over the years. But that might lead us to your horses to follow Big V. You mentioned Floating Artist. You're, you're pretty keen to stick with it, despite its uh, unfortunate events of the weekend. Are there any other horses that you've got on your horses to follow list? Yeah, I've got one horse from... Perth that I got tipped. Oh, Big V, this is out of nowhere. Yeah, oh, I've got might as well be Mars if you don't, they're not in Melbourne. No, well, um, no, I don't mind watching the, the Perth races at this time of year, getting towards their carnival. And oh, I keep one eye on it just to make sure I have some understanding of the form there. And I've got a tip for it's a Ray Day in the Belgravia Stakes race eight on Saturday. Ran second, but had a wide run where, where the winner. Search and Rocks had a had a softer run, so I think he's one to, to keep an eye on next start. And back at the Valley, I think we can stick with State of Rest for the McKinnon. Fair enough, Big Van. You just remind, was it a Pikey horse, mate? It just reminded me that Pikey isn't in Melbourne this year for the Carnival, which is always a bit disappointing. He always adds a bit of colour to the uh, colour to the festival. No, it wasn't. A, it wasn't a Pikey horse, so not not one of the. Um, Bob Peters' horses. Well, that's uh, a wrap for the Should Have Backed It review edition for the Cox Plate, Big V. But I think Derby Day, is, it's the best day going around, isn't it? It's, it's basically punter's Christmas. And I know that you're very excited about it, Big V. So I'm keen. I know we've got the preview show coming up on Friday, so we don't want to give away too much just quite yet. But is there anything that you're looking at at the moment that's getting you excited? Yeah, there's a couple of races that I'm going to hone in on Derby Day, starting with the Coolmore Stud Stakes and 
yeah, a couple of the horses I'm going to be looking at are Artorias, Extreme Warrior, in the Congo, and Polili. I think uh, they're the four. I don't think the Melbourne form's that strong, with the exception of Extreme Warrior. So I'll be keen to have a look into that race. I am looking at the, the sprint race, the, the 1,200-metre tab stakes. I've mentioned in previous podcasts, Camel Passer and keen to be... Oh, look, I'm, I'm looking at Camel Passer, but I think Oxley Road really put in an outstanding performance last start. So I'll be looking at those two. You know, a couple of horses also in that field or in the nominations, Kementari Standout might stay in Sydney and Brooklyn Hustle probably runs in the mayor's race. So looking at that race, the Cantata looks doesn't look like it's got a lot of depth to it. So I'll be looking at that as well. Superstorm coming out of the, the Turak handicap and you know, Mr. Brightside surprisingly is the favourite. So I might try and bet around the favourite. Zutori is a surprise nomination at the the 1,600 metres, not running in the 1,200 sprint race. So, is that right? I didn't see that. Oh, I haven't looked. No, a bit of a surprise there. I yeah. might take on Zutori at the, at the 1,600. So I think the Cantala is one race we can have a look at when the acceptances come. And I think the Hotham Handicap's got to be one now to look at with floating artists going there. I think um, it just depends on the price. You know, you could see... the floating artist was... Pushing out to four dollars, nearly three eighty starting price. I didn't see the money coming for Pondus like it did. There's just a huge tip for Pondus in the Mooney Valley Gold Cup, and you know we nearly got four dollars for Floating Artist, who was you know a short favourite to start before in the Coonji. So I'm hoping for that there's no overreaction to that. We're getting you know a silly price for the Hotham. So I'll be looking at Floating Artist if we get a good enough price. Well, mate, it sounds like we've got an absolute jam-packed preview show coming up to us on Friday because you've you've already got the abacus out, you've got the uh, protractor. What else do you need, mate? You've got the yeah, it's all uh, it's all yes. happening. That's Sorry. all we need now. Luck. The winners. <laughs> yeah, mate, that's all we want from you. Just tell us who's going to win these races. I'll be stunned if you don't stick with Kemal Passer, mate. You've only been talking up Kemal Passer in that race for the last month, so no no time to drop off, jump off now. Yeah, well. I'm- You've got to be careful not to make sure that you're rusted on your horse before you look at the form and the opposition. And if you go back to Oxley Road's win the other day at Caulfield, that was a top run. So I just want to make sure I'm wary of that horse. And it looks like I've got those two as my top seeds for the race and just got to wait and see who else accepts and, and what barriers they get, as well as the track conditions. You know, Kendall Castle, you want to make sure that it's a you know, at least a good forward track, even though he, he's adept at on the soft tracks. I think he's a lot better on good, whereas Oxley Road has shown that he's actually quite capable on a wet track, even though he might be even better on the dry. So track conditions play a part as well. well. Look, Big V, we certainly trust you, mate. You're tipping up a storm at the moment. At one point on Manicato night, you were five from five. I'm not quite sure how you ended up, but I'm sure you did well. And uh, if you can keep that kind of form up, it doesn't matter. We don't care about why. We just care what. Yeah, I think it finished up six out of eight on the Friday night, but then got the reality check the following day on Saturday. I think maybe only one or two on what turned out to be a pretty tricky, uh, tricky program, and a, and a bit of bad luck as well. Oh, mate, we always get a reality check. That's just part of uh, 
part of loving horse racing, isn't it? It wouldn't be fun if we didn't get the reality check from time to time. But anyway, thanks, Big V. Thanks for the review of the, the big cock plate date. I'm really looking forward to hearing who you've got on top and your best bets for Derby Day, which we'll do on Friday and will come out in our special preview podcast. But thanks to our listeners, and as always, good luck on the punt.